0: freedom I want you in this is what I want you to walk in I want you to humble yourself before me. Bow your spirit before me. To the spirit of the Lord, quit worrying. I have COVID in my hands. I have governments in my hands. I have the unbeliever in my hands. I have every situation in my hands. I tell you, if you just bow yourself before me, every need, every want, every desire. Every hunger bow before me, for I am the God that's still in charge. I sent my son to beat Heth. I sent my son to beat the grave. I sent my son to beat hell. And I sent my spirit to walk with you. If you don't just submit yourself and give yourself to me daily, 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 this is the spirit I desire to pour out upon you. Give yourself humbly before me. Bow everything to me and watch. Watch. Watch my spirit work
1: the Lord Amen I need you to just keep some of the staff up in prayer because uh, sickness and infirmity trying to just come against. we have not had any of the covid junk all right so amen but uh, but i found out the other day that we've had one so we're crushing that thing in jesus name amen since this pandemic began god has been faithful amen and we are strong and we are confident in him amen So I really need you to just keep praying and to help you do that. uh, We're about to receive our offerings, but I want to share with you something really awesome. Look at your neighbor this morning and say, Shana Tova. That's right. Happy New Year. Amen. The Jewish New Year has begun, and now we are moving into... Ten days of awe, and I will share more as I minister in the Word this morning, but that ten days of awe, everybody look at and say, awe, not awe, but awe, amen? Awe meaning we're going to introspect, we're going to look inside, it's ten days of examining ourselves, ten days of intense prayer. And the reason that the Jewish tradition is that way is because they believe so strongly in the gift of repentance. And so do we. Amen? So I need you to keep praying and pressing. This house has been awesome. And uh, right up to the house of the governor. She knows us and she has worked with us. And I love her. I don't care. And... uh, I thank God for her versus what they're going doing in California, amen? So um, I want you to just keep the house in prayer because God knows what we're about here. And uh, so this coming Saturday, say the 26th, we'll be having the National Day of Repentance simulcast here live with Jonathan Kahn. And I just really need to see a show of hands of who can just stop in and pray just for any amount of time, five minutes, a half hour. I don't care. You could stay all day, but we're going to show this from probably around nine to five. Amen. And we're doing our best, but the enemy has really tried to stop it Well, we ain't stopping. And uh, we're going to do this thing. Amen. Look at your neighbors say the National Day of Repentance. That's right, the whole nation. I was invited to be in Washington for with Jonathan Kahn as they do it right on the Capitol lawn. Amen. It's going to be all day, but uh, I could not obviously go. So um, I have other folks that are going. And uh, it's going to be just incredible. Millions are going to be on the Capitol lawn praying, repenting, really standing in the gap for this nation. And so uh, we're at 40 days before the election. And as I've said repeatedly, I don't care if Bozo gets elected. Okay. As long as God is in control. Amen. Hashem is in control. And that's all I believe. I believe he ordains all authority. That's what his word says. So we're going to be constantly praying. Did you hear the prophetic word this morning? Praying, relating to God daily. Say daily. That's right. So talk to him all day. Talk to him when you're being about your business. But this is important. Show up. I don't care for how long. Next Saturday we'll be in the Canistracy room because there is a prophetic event going on in here. And you might be a part of that too. I don't care. But I really need you to be praying. Amen. So say the National Day of Repentance right here. In the canistracy room. All right. Thank you, Jesus. We're gonna receive our morning tithes and offerings. Amen. Get excited. Woo! They are flat pressing through in this season, too. It's fabulous. Well, I just want to bring up before you this morning Andrew Phillips. Send One International is who we support on a monthly basis for him, and I'm just so thankful because I met and Bishop met Andrew through his precious mom, who's here with us today too, April, and uh, the awesome thing is that April uh, grooms our dogs, praise the Lord, and so it was a divine connection. And uh, he's going, he's working diligently to learn the language, to learn the culture, and to be able to go over there and uh, stay for periods of time in Japan. So I want you to welcome Andrew Phillips.
2: Morning, Evangel Church. My name is Andrew Phillips, and as has been said, I am a missionary with Send International to the country of Japan. I want to share with you a little bit of my testimony, because a testimony is a powerful thing, amen? It is a way that Christ is revealed in and through us to a watching world. I was blessed to be born and raised in a Christian home and have always had an interest, a connection to Japan in one way or another. When I was A young man, it was things like video games or anime, cartoons, or Pokemon cards. But as I grew older, it became more of a love and a passion for the history, the culture, the people, and the language. I'm sorry. In 2014, my grandparents encouraged me to go to a local church where a missionary couple was sharing about their life of ministry and ministering the love of Christ in Japan. I don't remember a particular story or testimony that they shared, but I do remember that the Holy Spirit moved in me in such a powerful way that I started to weep. I have never felt anything like that in my life, and I have never been so sure about anything in my life as I had been in that moment, that God was calling me to a lifetime of ministry in Japan to reach a people aching and longing to know the God who made them. So that day I got up and I started looking for ways to get to Japan. The door didn't open automatically, but it did open up to ministry to the Japanese right here in the metro Detroit area. Yeah. Ten to 11,000 Japanese families live and work in the metro Detroit area. And so I was able to partner with my home church in Farmington Hills in teaching English to Japanese mothers and ladies. But more than that, it was just, it was English, it was American culture but it was also introducing them to the scriptures and introducing them to Jesus. Many of them we would ask, have you ever opened a Bible? No. Have you ever heard the name of Jesus? No. This was a first for them, and it was eye-opening to me that there are still so many that have never heard the name of Jesus Christ. And in 2015, I was blessed with the opportunity to go to Japan on a short-term missions trip, Uh, for about three months where I lived and served with a missionary family in northeastern Japan. If you're not familiar with the area, it is an area that was affected in 2011 by the massive tsunami and earthquake. So at that time, people were still living in temporary housing, and so we would visit those people. We would minister to the children by teaching English but having Bible clubs and sports camps and things like that. It was such a blessing to be able to impact the lives of the youth during that time. Um, But one of the most uh, touching experiences for me was the conversational English cafes where young working adults and students would get together to practice English, but really to form relationships. There's a lack of deep and real relationships in Japan. And it was always an opportunity where people would ask, okay, you're clearly not Japanese. Why are you here? And every time in that moment in our first meeting would have a chance to share while I'm with the church, I'm a Christ follower, and to be able to share who I am in Christ and have a captive audience there. Now, so since 2014, I have been ministering to the Japanese here in the States as well as overseas, and I'm looking to go back as a career missionary with Send International. Each term is about four years long. And so I'm diligently pursuing that, hoping to be there as soon as those borders open and as soon as the support comes in. Praise God, I'm at 70% at this point. And I'm trusting him. I'm holding on to him, and I'm trusting him for that other 30%. And it's hard, though. The enemy's on the attack, and he's trying to get me discouraged. And there are days that it is really a struggle. But I know that God is on my side, and I know that the church is behind me. So you might ask, why Japan? What is the need in Japan? On the outside, everything seems to be okay. In fact, it seems to be great. You look at our country, they've got the cars, they've got the great jobs, they seem affluent, they seem like they have it all together. But you need to go deeper, because as we know, even as we meet our neighbors, everything might seem fine on the outside. But on the inside, they're hurting. 80 to 85% of youth in Japan question why they even exist. The suicide rate in Japan is one of the highest in the world. I was told by a missionary when we were on one of the trains that when a a message comes across the screen that says train delay, um, something has happened on the tracks. That often means that someone has jumped in front of the train. And this happens on a regular basis, daily people are taking their lives in Japan because of this hopelessness that they have, this hole that they have in their hearts and their lives because they don't know the Savior. That's right. And you might think, okay, they've got the internet, they have all these things, why don't they just look him up? Why don't they just look up the Bible on their computer? But the thing is, they've never heard about him. That's right. They have no idea to even look for Jesus and that's why the Apostle Paul says, how can they know unless they've heard? How can someone tell them unless they are sent? There's a process here. That's right. We need missionaries here, and we need missionaries overseas, and we need the church to gather around and send these people. Yeah. I've shared some statistics and things like that with you, but as I've said, testimonies are often the most powerful things we can share. And I want to share the story of my friend Mio, who I met here in Michigan when her family came and lived here for about four years. It's interesting because I came to the church uh, where she started coming for the English classes around the same time in 2014. And she gave me permission to share this testimony with you, so I pray that it lays a burden for Japan on your heart, that we would be able to see more stories like hers. My name is Mio. My family and I came to Michigan in April of 2014. I was born in a very small village in the middle of the beautiful mountains of Japan with only about 15 families in our neighborhood. Even in the countryside of Japan, the home I grew up in would be considered very old-fashioned. In our home, we had my great-grandmother, grandparents, parents, my younger brother, and me. There were four generations of my big family living together. The religion practiced in my home was Shinto, which is the national religion there. My grandmother was very religious and would pray at the Shinto altar every morning. But in my heart as a young child, I felt our family was more connected by obligation than we were connected by love. Our home was so strict and I didn't have any freedom and the family relationships were not good. I longed for freedom and to live on my own as soon as possible. And when I was 15, I was able to leave home and live alone going to high school. I thought that when I left, I was free. But there was still something missing in my heart. My life away from home was a very good one, but I still had many problems that I couldn't handle because I was still so young. I thought it would be better just to end my life. 15 years old. Just at that moment, when I was considering killing myself, the phone rang, and it was my mother calling me. When I picked up the phone, my mother asked, right now, were you thinking of doing something to hurt yourself? I was very surprised and told her I was thinking of killing myself, and when I told her, she started to cry, and we cried together. When I think about it now, I realize God stopped me because he thought my life is important. At that time, I realized there was something larger and more powerful than human power that had intervened. My life after that was still not easy, and there were many times I wondered why the peaceful times would not last longer, and painful times often filled my life. But now I know that God has a plan, and part of that plan was coming to Michigan. There, I joined Pastor Miyamoto and his fellowship and began to understand the feelings I had of the existence of God. I know there were pieces of understanding in my heart and felt like I could begin to put the pieces together like a puzzle. The picture began to become clear. And then one day, I was introduced to the picture and the poem called Footprints in the Sand. When I read the words, It was then that I carried you, I began to cry. In the past, when I called for God and felt there was no answer, I realized that was when he had carried me. I had a vague feeling of God up to that point, and I realized then, in that moment, that the God was the God of the Bible. And at that time, I was able to accept and believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. This is one testimony. There are more. But in a country where less than 1% of the Japanese know the Lord as their Savior, where 125 million plus people are spiritually dead right now, there is a need for people to go and share Christ so that we can hear more of these testimonies, so that we can rejoice in the salvific work of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So how do I get to Japan? Well, I mean, I hop on a plane and I go over there, but... I can never get on that plane, and I'll never be there until I have the support that I need. And it's not just financial. Yes, there is a financial need. I I need to be able to eat so that I'm able to minister and have a place to live in Japan. But there's also the need for prayer. I need some prayer warriors. I need some people that are like, yes, I will commit daily, weekly, or monthly to pray for you, to pray for the missionaries in Japan, and to pray for the work of the Holy Spirit in Japan. So I encourage you uh, to join my team to be a part of what God is doing in Japan. We have this awesome privilege to participate in what God is doing in the nations and in this world. Uh, On the back table, I do have in the welcome area some pamphlets. So a little bit more about myself. You've got my my prayer card in there, and I'll be standing back there after the service too. Would love to meet with you, talk with you, uh, and be able to connect with some of you here. Thank you so much just for this opportunity to praise God with you and to share his call upon my life.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Look at your neighbor and say, Andrew. Is the real deal. That's right. I really work hard with our mission program to really latch on to the real thing. Amen. And so make sure that you get one of his pamphlets. Like you said, uh, finances is good, but he really needs that prayer support because it is extremely oppressive over there. It's exciting, but it's, it's oppressive. Amen. And so, uh, pray you know ask god if you should support him but also be praying and grab the prayer card back there so you can do that and Andrew, we support andrew every month as well as in prayer he's being prayed for over 25 hundred thousand times a month so he's getting it from us but i want you to be a part of that too amen so this is very exciting I want to share an awesome word today that God gave me and as we celebrate Rosh Hashanah look at your neighbor again and say uh, what are you supposed to say? I don't know, hold on <laughs> I'm always saying, look at your neighbor and I'm like, okay, what are they supposed to say? alright, Tova again Happy New Year Amen. Oh, what do we got here? Okay, we got a license number KTB9493, a Texas plate, a black Corolla blocking in the driveway. Can't get out. We can't get out. Good. Leave it there. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Anyway, as we celebrate this new year into Rosh Hashanah, Like I said before, it is 10 days of awe, 10 days of introspection, and then they will celebrate Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement, Repentance Day. We as Christians, we don't celebrate once a year those things, amen? We want to live in an attitude and a state of repentance. Does that make sense? Uh, and I really, again, just implore you as pastor of this house, please come next Saturday. And just spend, I don't care if you're driving by and go, oh, I can stop for a minute, stop for a minute. I really want us to really be in the awareness of the repentance and the attitude of repentance. Because it's not just about getting before God, saying a sinner's prayer. And, oh, sorry, God, and keep flying. It is an attitude. It is a brokenness. I so thank God for our worship team this morning. I so thank God for their ability to get the presence of God into this place. I so thank God that they pull us to our knees because that is really important in your walk with God. Amen. And I want to look at this today why the cross? You know, we understand, we hear about, we have all the head knowledge of the cross of Jesus, but why? Why the cross? Why did Jesus have to go through what he went through? And I want us to look first of all at John ten twenty eight, because as we look at an attitude of repentance, as we look at... Uh, this whole idea and we come into this season even now of the holidays and Thanksgiving and Christmas, it is certainly in our walk with God not about a tree and some presents and a turkey. (laughs) It is so much more. And I believe this year will bring a whole lot more gratefulness and thankfulness, amen, than we've ever seen. But I want us to look at Again, all roads lead to Jesus. Amen? And so look at John 10, 28 for a minute. Because when we look at the cross, sometimes we think in our tiny minds, Oh my word, if I sin, if I make this mistake, if I do this, God's not going to love me anymore. God's not going to, I'm not saved. I'm not whatever if I make these mistakes in life. But I want to show you something so awesome today in the word that you will walk out of here knowing, I know that I know that I know that if I walk with Jesus Christ genuinely with a heart just toward him, I am forever saved. Now I'm not talking about eternal security, I'm not talking about fire insurance. Amen. How many of you got some fire insurance on your house and you're all right. I'm not talking about fire insurance. I'm talking about that love relationship with God. He loves us. Oh, but Dr. Dr. Cheryl, you don't understand. You know, I'm still messing up. I smoke cigarettes. I smoke dope. I do this. I no. As long as there is the struggle to be free. As long as there is a fight to do what's right. Man, he loves you. He's for you. Look at your neighbors Say, I am confident in that. Oh, come on say it like you mean it. I'm confident in that. All right. Look at this. John 10, 28. And I give unto them eternal life. Say, I've got eternal life. And he says, and they shall never perish. Say never. Never. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Look at that. So the enemy can't just go snatch you out of God's hand because you make a mistake. The enemy spends all of his energy accusing you. To you and to God. To you and. He talks to you in your first person. I'm a loser. I'm really a loser. Man, I can't even get a job. Man, I can't even live right. Tell the devil, shut up. Shut up, Satan. Shut up, enemy. Go back to hell where you came from. (laughs) Dr. Cheryl's cussing in the pulpit. Hell's in the Bible. Just send him back to where he came from. Look at this verse. Because you need to understand something here. In the Greek, that word never in that scripture. Put that back up for me one second, please. It says they shall never perish. That word never in the Greek is not just maybe That word never for the Greeks was the strongest form of grammar to negate something. They could have used other words for never, but that word is the strongest negative in the Greek. It's emphatic negation. So when they say that, it says they shall emphatically never perish. That word in the Greek means that they shall never, emphatically, the devil cannot pluck you out of God's hand. This ain't hot potato between God and Satan. Are you with me? Am I aging myself? Is hot potato old? They don't play hot potato anymore. Okay, sorry. Hot potato if you're younger was a game we played as kids where you'd throw the ball to each other and try to keep throwing it to somebody else to catch it real fast because you didn't want to be the last one with hot potato or you were out. Well, God don't play that way. God don't say, oops, Satan, they missed it. Here, you catch, you catch. God doesn't do that. In the Greek, that genuinely says that for every person that genuinely loves and serves God. Every person with a sincere heart. So as I began to look at that, I said, wow, God, this ain't about fire insurance. He said, no, it's about love relationship." Do you have a love relationship with God? Do you know God and God knows you? Does God have a habitation in you, not visit you once in a while? Are you getting this? Look at your neighbor say, she's hitting me right between the eye. Right? Because the body of Christ needs some help. (laughs) There are millions filling churches all running around shouting, I'm saved, I'm saved, I love Jesus. But they don't know Jesus. (laughs) They visit him on Sundays. They don't pray. They don't read the Bible. They don't talk to him through the week. I don't know how anybody gets through a day. How do they get through a day without talking to God? I mean, I'm talking about every time I turn around, I'm at a store, I'm at a doctor's office, I'm doing whatever. God, what do I do? Gosh, I do this? God, what do you think? And he talks to me. Say, man, we got to get Dr. Cheryl some help. She's hearing voices, the voice of God. It should be right to your mind, thoughts. Sometimes you might hear a voice. Man, I want what you got, as long as it's God's voice. But how many of you hear what I'm saying? Genuine relationship. Not every time they sin, they got to get saved again. Are you hearing me? Not, I love Jesus, and then they go over here, and they're sleeping around. I love Jesus, and they go over here, and they are doing porn. I love Jesus, and they're over here doing dope. I love Jesus, and they're over here getting drunk. No. We can't live any longer. I don't know why we thought we ever could. No more gray. You're either on one side of the fence, or you're not. Oh, God understands. I just got this urge. He's going to get an urge to put a boot right up your butt. Hello? How many of you work with people and you get an urge to put a boot? Thank God he has grace and mercy. He says in that verse, if you genuinely follow me as best you can, doing the best you can. Man, I love you. You're mine. Are you with me this morning? Amen. He's not a liar. His death wasn't in vain. His promise wasn't in doubt. His promise wasn't in doubt. It says they shall never, emphatically never perish. That He, he wasn't like... Just saying something to make us feel good. His power is never in question. Look what it said there. Nobody is plucking you out of my father's hand. That's the power of God. The power of God. How many of you have found you stronger than anything you can imagine? I mean... That testimony from Japan, he is so right on. The suicide level there, rate is ridiculous. It is the biggest one in the world. China's right behind him. Listen, the power of God to have that mom call her daughter. His power isn't in vain. See, salvation's two-fisted. Salvation's two-fisted. Put up both your fists. Say, take this, devil. That's right. Your salvation is two-fisted. We are a gift. We are a gift between the Father and the Son. Are you with me? Jesus died, rose again, and ascended To heaven, not because he was a traveling salesman. (laughs) He rose again and he ascended to heaven. That's the real deal. That's historic. They, They can tell stories about everything else, but that's real. That's down in history. No God, no God of any other means has ever done that. Historically, see, I don't know how atheists do it, because how do they disprove the death, burial and resurrection? It's historic. And so the reality here is he did all of this to get us saved. And it's a two fisted thing. Salvation. We are the gift that the son gives to the father. Right. He did all of that at the cross so he could say, here, Father, here is my gift to you, lives, souls. That's why it's so important that you help get the lost saved. Live a life where they're like going, man, I want what you have. Can you tell me about Jesus? And then not only are we a gift between the son and the father, but we belong to God. We're a gift to the Father through the Son. But the awesome thing is that Jesus is also, we, we're owned by him. You're owned by Jesus. So we're a gift to the Father From the Son, but we belong. We belong to the Son. Now, do you think for a minute that when he died on the cross, he said, man, Father, man, I hope this works. (laughs) He didn't say that. He didn't say, well, maybe if this works, we're good. He didn't say that. He didn't look at the father in the garden of Gethsemane and say, man, I hope this works. (laughs) I'm hoping. See, you're laughing because it's hideous. The truth of the matter is, this is what he said. It is finished. It is finished. Now, has everybody in this room ever heard of those three words? It is. Is finished. But I want to tell you what it means. Here goes Dr. Cheryl again studying that Greek and Hebrew. In the Greek, it is finished. You know what it means? A completed action in the past with continual life changing in the present. Whoa! It is finished, completed action in the past. But it brings continual life change in the present. So when he said on the cross, it is finished, he's saying, whew, done with that. Glad that's over. But now come the awesome results as we continue on. It's going to change lives. It's going to bring change in the lives of people forever until I come again. How does that change it for you? See, he died a Roman execution, right? That's the way the Romans executed people back in Bible times, hung them on a cross. Jesus was nailed to the cross. They wanted to make real sure they got this one. So they nailed him to the cross, hands and feet. They beat him. They say, if you read the, uh, read the doctoral presentation on this, five or seven medical doctors did a research of the cross, and they said they beat him beyond recognition. You would have never known it was Jesus. They put the thorns on his head. They nailed his hands and feet. You know, how many of you, when you stub your toe, you're about ready to go to glory? (laughs) Right? It hurts. Or you bang your hand on a wall or a door by accident. You feel like, oh, my God, it's broke. (laughs) Imagine nails going through your hands and your feet. And the other thing is the nails didn't really go through the hand. They went through the wrist because the, the hand it would have pulled right through and ripped it. It went through his wrist. Pain. I don't believe he went through all of that. There's got to be something deeper. When I was studying, I said, Lord, why the cross? So is it just because they obeyed the Romans and did the Roman way? No. Look at this. Powerful. Say, redemption requires repair. So, in order for Jesus to redeem us, he had to repair everything that happened in the garden. Are we there? Go back to the garden. And don't you men be blaming women. I love it. God, it's that wife you gave me. It goes back to the garden. First thing, sin entered by a tree. Sin entered by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You with me? So sin entered with a tree... And God put his son on a tree. On a cross made of wood to redeem us and restore us. Romans had nothing to do with it. God had a plan. See, God has a plan for your life. You didn't just get here because two people came together and out you came. You are here because of God's plan and purpose. He's got a plan. He wants to do something with your life. He's a good Jew. He's economical. He uses everything. And so... He redeemed us, for, first of all, by putting his son on a tree. And the first Adam brought death, right? In God's grace and mercy, he had to put them out of the garden, Adam and Eve. And he had to say, get out of here, because if you try to stay here, you'll perish forever. Get out of here. So the first Adam brought death. Because of what you did, Adam, you got to get out of this garden. I'm really helping you in the end. Because, Adam, you just killed everything. Adam and Eve, you you guys just blew it. You killed everything. See, I'm convinced everybody wants to blame Adam and Eve, but if it wouldn't have been Adam and Eve, it would have been the next bunch or whoever after them. Jesus was ultimately necessary. So God said, Adam, you brought death. He goes, I'm going to use my son to bring life. Jesus is called the second Adam in the word. And he brought life. He brought life. Are you excited yet? That you have life. I'm not talking about breathing. That's awesome. I'm glad you're breathing. I'm talking about Jesus brought life. You got, a, you got life. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, 21 to 23. For since by man came death, first Adam, by man, second Adam, came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Jesus shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, afterward they that are Christ's at his coming. See, Jesus was the first fruit. We're, we're the rest. When he comes back, there'll be zillions of us going to be with him. Thank you, Lord. I kind of hope I live long enough to go up in the air without an airplane. Wouldn't that be awesome? If you all just started, whoo, Star Trek-y. Beam us up, Jesus. So sin entered by a tree, and sin had to go because of the tree. Second thing that's interesting is that they put a crown of thorns on his head. In Genesis 3, 18. was that one? Oh, okay. Anyway, in Genesis 3:18, the ground produced thorns and thistles. Right? That's what it said in Genesis. So God had to redeem that. So what did he do? They put a crown of thorns on his on the second Adam. Why? Why do you have to redeem that to break the curse of creation? Creation was cursed. And that crown of thorns redeemed and broke the curse. Saints, every day of your life, when you wake up, thank God. Thank God. Thank you, Jesus, that you redeemed me. Thank you that you redeemed creation. Thank you. Thank you that you wore a crown of thorns. That hurt. How many of you, when you put something on your head and you have to pull it off and it pulls hair with it, you're about ready to die? See, I'm talking about silly little things, but imagine a crown of thorns digging in your scalp. Blood. Why? To redeem the curse and creation. Go ahead. Isn't that awesome? To restore. Restore. God's whole plan is restoration. The third thing, Jesus had feet and hands were tied and his hands were pierced because it was with human hands that Adam and Eve stole off of the tree of good and evil in the garden. Human hands blew it. Jesus had to redeem it all. Broke the curse with the, the, best, the greatest offering that could ever be made. And how about his side being pierced? Why on earth do they have to make sure and jam them in the side? Not because they had to make sure. God had to redeem the woman. God had to redeem woman. We're created from Adam's rib, from his side. God said, I'm going to make sure that I cover all the bases. Women, thou art free. He redeemed the woman. That's awesome. You say, well, how come we have to go through childbirth? The Bible says we're going to suffer in childbirth because we are strong. Because we are strong. I don't know of any man that could live through childbirth. (laughs) Come on, you know what I'm saying. They get the common cold and honey, help. Honey, I need some hot tea. In the meantime, You're barren kids taking care of the house, blah, blah, blah. The guys are needed because the men, Jesus led, men lead, men have wisdom of God, men are providers. I thank God for my husband and his wisdom. And then they pierced his feet. Because the seed of woman, the messianic seed, the messianic seed, Jesus said, you're going to crush the enemy's head. So they nailed his feet. Why? Because in Genesis 3, 14 and 15, oh wait, not there. We're going to go there in a minute. Uh, Because it says that it would crush the serpent's head. Yeah, we can go there. And the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. And upon thy belly shalt thou go and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. So the enemy is cursed. I don't know about you, but I hate snakes. I don't know of anybody that likes them. But the reality is this, they're cursed and they're under our feet because Jesus' feet were nailed to the cross. I want to share one last thing here. It's powerful. Jesus was on the cross between two thieves and for three hours, they mocked him. The Bible says that they all mocked him, including the thieves on the cross. Well, if you're God, why don't you get off this cross? Oh, you, you think you're all that? How come you ain't doing nothing here but bleeding to death? Right? And then Jesus makes this statement. He says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. In the original Hebrew, I mean, in the original Greek, it says, Father, forgive them. They don't understand. They don't get it. Have you ever run into people that really don't get it? And you're just like, wow. Help. Because they sincerely don't get it. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Now, how many of you always thought Jesus said that one time? Right? Right? The Bible says he said it. So we just say, okay, he said it. Wasn't that awesome? Jesus forgave these people for what they were doing to him. But I want to show you something in the Greek. In the Greek, it says, Jesus said. So look with me at Luke 23. First of all, look at verse 42. He said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. So that was one of the two thieves he was hanging on the cross with, correct? Not both of them. One guy got saved. Right? Do you ever question how come only one? See, I'm getting to where I want to know why. (laughs) Because it tells me that there's something up here, God. So here's this guy. Now look at verse 42. Okay, go to verse 45. 23, and I think it's, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, go back to verse 34 for a second. I want to show you this. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and kiosk lots. Now in verse 34, see where it says, Then said Jesus. Okay. In the Greek, Jesus said, actually translates, "continuously Continuously repeated himself. Continuously repeated himself. Continuously repeated himself. continuously repeated himself. So for the three hours, the first three hours till he said, here they are hanging on the cross. He's dripping blood everywhere. He's stabbed, nailed, and he kept saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Every time pain shot through, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Every time he just wanted to give it up, Father, forgive them. Forgive them, God. They don't get it, God. Forgive them, God. Not one time did the thieves hear him say, Kill them, God. Get them, God. Pay them back for what they're doing to me, God. I hope they all die, God. He didn't say none of that. He, it says he kept on saying, Father forgive them Father forgive them Oh God forgive them Wow Till one of the thieves thought This is incredible And out of love And forgiveness He got saved Wow Now why didn't the other guy I don't know I don't know. But I know that Jesus didn't say it once. He kept repeating himself. Forgive him. Forgive him. Please, Father, forgive him. All I know is that that one thief was transformed out of forgiveness, out of love. I want to close with this clip. And while you watch it, I want you to decide deep in your heart who you serve. Because one got saved, the other one didn't. Are you with me? I want you to make this day the day that you say, I know, that I know, that I know I'm saved. I know I'm with the Father. When lights go out and I'm not here any longer, I know where I'm going because I love God and I'll walk in forgiveness and I'll walk in a love because He took care of it. Pray with me this morning out loud. Say, Father, I know that I am forgiven. Because I believe sincerely that Jesus died for me, rose again, and ascended to heaven. And that's where I'm going. Because I love you, Lord. And I'll serve you every day. The best way I know how. And you're going to take care to straighten me out. When I miss it, thank you, live in me, keep living in me, keep living through me. I thank you in Jesus' name. Watch this.
3: and they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, "Eloi, Eloi, Lema Sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, Listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two, from top to bottom. And when the centurion, who stood there in front of Jesus, saw how he died, he said, Surely this man was the Son of God. Some women were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the younger and of Joseph, and Salome. In Galilee, these women had followed him, and cared for his needs. Many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem were also there.
1: Hallelujah. Lift your hands this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the cross. Thank you that you don't give up on us. Thank you that we commit to loving you and serving you daily. Daily daily Father deepen the relationships that we have but deepen the greatest relationship with you Holy Spirit of God fall on this house fall on every person here fall on every person watching through live stream Holy Spirit live big in us And let us be Christ to a lost world. Jesus, we love you today. And we thank you for the cross. Hallelujah. Amen. Just stand this morning. As you go today, make sure that you think about? Which one are you? Are you the one that said, Lord, I'm going with you. Make sure you're that one. Make sure that you sincerely walk with him and follow him. This ain't no walk in the park. This ain't no drive through the neighborhood. This is a time and a season where we got to get super serious about where we stand with God. Amen. And that comes through just a love relationship with him. That's all. All you got to do is walk with him through the day. Yeah, but I miss it. He don't care. He'll work with you. How many of you thank God for his mercy and his grace? Man, that's an encouragement. That's an encouragement. Be encouraged. Don't be down. Don't be disappointed. Don't walk around and say, oh, this pandemic's going to get me and walk in fear. Walk in the assurance and the confidence that Jesus is walking every step with you. Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to receive.